You're listening to the Acadiana's Morning News Podcast, brought to you by LABI and always on kpal965.com. Home of the Rush Limbaugh Show in Acadiana. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brobridge, Lafayette. It's called the Justice Act. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. The bill Senate Republicans are ready to unveil this morning on police reform. There's this false dichotomy, this binary choice between law enforcement and communities of color, and that's just a false choice. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. Dave, the legislation would discourage the use of chokeholds by limiting federal grant money and create a national database tracking excessive use of force. Republican Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, who's been leading the effort, told Fox and Friends. Focus on gathering more information, more data, so that we can direct training in the direction that actually de-escalates. Democrats who are crafting their own bill want to make it easier to sue police officers in civil court. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell calls that idea a non-starter. Dave? Rachel, House Democrats who called President Trump's effective executive order too modest, not going far enough, could advance that plan today in a House committee. Congressman James Clyburn told Fox. I think that what we've got to do is attack this culture that all of us know exists. This is institutional. Simon & Schuster is reacting to the Justice Department's lawsuit to block John Bolton's book due out next Tuesday, calling it nothing more than part of an effort to quash the publication of a book that deems unflattering to the president. The Trump administration claims Bolton's book contains classified information. The ex-National Security Advisor has been very critical of the president, especially over the Ukraine controversy, which led to impeachment. Trump supporters are already lining up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for Saturday's rally. Those of us who work and live within blocks uh, miles of this building are scared. Attorney Paul DeMuro fears the rally will be a big coronavirus spreader, but a judge rejected his lawsuit to block it. The Trump campaign says they'll hand out masks and sanitizer. Rally goers will have to agree to a liability waiver. America's listening to Fox News. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. The coronavirus has spiked in some states with record new cases recently in Arizona, Florida, and Texas. And there's been quite a bit of controversy over masks. Some have refused to wear them. Others are demanding it be mandatory. Wearing a mask is a no-brainer. 
It works. It's effective. Dr. Ronald Saff with Physicians for Social Responsibility took that message to Governor Ron DeSantis's office. But the Republican says at the end of the day, you know, we should be trusting people to make good decisions. Um, you know, Floridians have shown they can do that. It's also an issue in Congress. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is telling committee chairs they have the authority to force out members who don't wear face masks during proceedings. A senior Democratic aide tells Fox News the sergeant-at-arms can enforce the rule. House members express concerns about continuing committee work as COVID-19 spikes in several states and one recently infected member didn't wear a mask while on the House floor. Pelosi requested the Office of Attending Physician to come up with guidance on masks, and it says research shows wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of the disease. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. We're learning more about the protester badly injured by police during a protest in Buffalo. 75-year-old Martin Gugino's lawyer says their client has a fractured skull from the incident on June 4th. He's still hospitalized, and in recent days, his attorney has told media outlets that Gugino hasn't been able to walk. Gugino hit his head on pavement after being shoved back by Buffalo police in video that's now gone viral. He was seen bleeding from the head as officers walked away. Two officers are charged with second-degree assault and have pleaded not guilty. They could face prison sentences of up to seven years if convicted. In New York, Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. On Wall Street, Dow Futures up more than 100 points ahead of the opening bell. I'm Dave Anthony, and this is Fox News. Your 24-7 news source, on air, online, and with the Cape Hill News app. Now the headlines from the Cape Hill News Center. Good morning, I'm Rob Kirkpatrick with your headlines. We'll get up to 93 degrees today here in Acadiana. Your full weather forecast is coming up. A 17-year-old from Brobridge sadly died yesterday while swimming with a group of friends near the Bayou Amy boat landing in Henderson. It happened just before noon yesterday, according to the St. Martin Parish Sheriff's Office. Authorities have identified the teen as Devon Baptiste. Witnesses say he showed signs of distress and then failed to resurface. That's when 911 was called. His body was found shortly after rescuers arrived on the scene. A one-time confirmed and admitted incoming LSU freshman who filmed himself screaming the N-word on camera. His name is Drew Dollar. He's from West Monroe. He will not be attending the state's flagship university come fall. LSU's Black Male Leadership Initiative applauds the university's decision. LSU has refused to comment further on the subject, citing privacy concerns. A study from Scripps Research Institute indicates that mutations in the strain of a coronavirus that's circulating in the U.S. right now may be much more infectious than its Wuhan predecessor. Kevin Barnhart has that story. But how much worse is it? Approximately 10 times more infectious for human cells than the original one. LSU Health New Orleans molecular geneticist Dr. Lucio Mila says the viruses that contain a mutated protein are much more stable. It is more abundant because it doesn't fall apart. He adds that letting the virus spread for herd immunity to develop is more dangerous than originally thought. The more viruses are out there, the better the chance that one of them is going to hit on a mutation that makes it more infectious. I'm Kevin Barnhart. Louisiana has now seen three straight days of COVID-19 hospitalizations. That metric used by health officials to track the actual rate of community spread. Assistant Health Secretary Dr. Alex Biu says their contact tracing data shows this is largely due to increased social interactions in recent weeks and possibly due to Memorial Day. Moving around in the community, whether you're going to a phase two opened facility or not, just being out and about more is going to increase the risk that you're going to come in contact with someone with COVID, increase the risk that COVID spreads.
BU says it does not appear the recent increase in transmissions is disproportionately due to new clusters in nursing homes. Neighboring Texas and Arkansas have seen record-breaking increases in the last week, and BO says it could be foreshadowing for us. A lot of what they've done has preceded us by about two weeks. So I think as we're looking towards the future, and we're looking next door to see what the present looks like for them. Statewide, the growth in cases has been the largest in Lake Charles, Alexandria, and the Monroe regions. BU says the recent upward trend here and the record spikes in neighboring states are important reminders the pandemic is not over and we need to continue wearing masks and social distancing. If we don't take those personal actions, uh, then there's no reason to believe we'd be any different than our neighboring states in a week or two. The U.S. Senate's lone African-American GOP member set to unveil police reform legislation this morning in response to the George Floyd protests. The legislation limits the use of chokeholds, requires officers to intervene if they see excessive force, and provides for more cameras. Senator Bill Cassidy says Tim Scott's bill is a necessary conversation. People need to know that they are heard, and that which can be done to address on a federal level is done, and hopefully as well on state and local levels. Yesterday, the president signed his own executive order blocking federal funds from heading to police departments that do not limit the use of chokeholds. Cassidy says he looks forward to the coming debate over policies and reforms and wants other states to take a look at New Orleans police's use of force for policy and their guidance. If Minneapolis had had the training of the NOPD, George Floyd would not have died. Outside of one notable incident near the Crescent City Connection Bridge, there has been limited conflict between protesters and the NOPD since Floyd's death. Chokeholds feature prominently in both today's Senate legislation and the president's order, but Cassidy says a total ban warrants further study. If the officer is a female and she's 140 pounds and she's trying to control somebody who's 220, a male, and aggressive or inebriated, then there has to be something about that. Democrats have attacked the GOP proposal, calling it too narrow. Instead, touting a more expansive House bill, we're told that would be dead on arrival in the Senate. There's new hope for some of the sickest coronavirus patients fighting to survive. A steroid is proving to be the first life-saving drug research have found. In some national headlines, a pair of Oklahoma attorneys are pushing to have safety measures in place for President Trump's rally that's happening in Tulsa this weekend. The lawyers filed a lawsuit to pressure BOK Center's operator to enforce social distancing and face masks at the event. Attorney Clark Brewster argued the rally is going to spread coronavirus, quote, without a question. Trump has held off on campaign rallies because of the respiratory illness. Saturdays will be his first since March. And finally, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is pushing against removing Confederate statues from the U.S. Capitol building. Speaking to reporters, McConnell explained it's, quote, nonsense that we need to airbrush the Capitol and scrub out everybody. He was talking about those with slavery connections from years ago. The Kentucky Republican noted that each state is allowed two statues and can trade them out if they want to. Both parties have been told and they're going to debate whether the monuments remain in the building. But McConnell has argued it should be a decision made by the individual states. This news update is brought to you by the T.J. Martell Foundation. Join the T.J. Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn more.
Weather today with temperatures pushing their way into the lower 90s. We're up at about 93 degrees again today. Winds coming from the north at about 5 to 10 miles an hour. 10% chance maybe for a quick shower down closer to the coastline. Lows tonight going to get down to around 69 degrees with clear skies overnight. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. News Talk 96.5, KPL. Right now, traffic. Part of a few incidents to pass along to you right now. Vehicle accident, 3rd Street at Simcoe. That's 3rd Street at Simcoe. In Scott at 900 Provo Street, there's a fire investigation going on. And then another vehicle accident, East University at Pinhook. Uh, three busy areas right there. And uh, if you could avoid them, that would be helpful. If there's anything else we need to know about, you can give us a call at 232-154. It is 8.15 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL and the project going on right there at the area known as Four Corners will uh, be a new development. Monique Boulay, Boulay, excuse me, joins us on the phone because the part that you see right there at the corner of the Les Pay Motel will soon be no more as uh, it's it will be bulldozed here uh, shortly. Uh, good morning, Monique. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the project. Good morning. So it actually, uh, the bulldozers are showing up today. Sweet. Um, and yes, very exciting. Um, the hotel should be down in the next couple of days. And uh, so the project is moving very fast. We are working with HRI, which is a company out of New Orleans, a developer out of New Orleans that does a lot of restoration. Um, after Katrina, they did a lot of this work in some of the tougher parts of New Orleans and had really great success with it. So um, we're excited. Um, They are building, you know, well, let me back up a little bit. This, I guess, initiative has been going on for over five years and really working with the neighborhood to identify the needs um, with the community, with the city. You know, it's our gateway. It means so much to so many different people. Um, but affordable housing is definitely one of the greatest needs over there. And it's, it's not, it's not like public housing in the traditional sense. Affordable housing is for your school teachers, your policemen, you know, the people that are working, um, and, and need housing that they can afford, right? Quality housing. So, and so that's yeah. what projects do. There is, um, a place near downtown. They're called Artist Lofts. Um, and where I know that it, it is built kind of in the same model. I think the question a lot of people have, though, is, is you know, in what ways does it directly impact the community as a whole? We know this project um, did get some funding uh, for it to happen and for HRI to make these developments. And that investment, you know, we have heard is important because of maybe adjacent development that happens. Can you get into that a little bit more and maybe tell us sure. some of the successes that HRI has had? Sure. Well, first, let me start with just talking about blight Mm -hmm. um, and commercial property that's empty and what happens in a community. You know, blight is actually very contagious. You have one piece of commercial property that stays um, vacant and empty. Um, you, 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 it, get va- it gets vandalized. Um, this property in particular and many others have environmental issues and they become kind of redlined by the banks. Because if there's environmental issues, there's liability. So 
even if you have somebody who's interested in buying the property, they're gonna, it's gonna be a very complicated purchase because the banks are not gonna lend on a contaminated piece of property and it's gonna stay, its property values are gonna sink and then the neighboring property values are gonna sink. And then you have a corridor of blight. And, and so, you know, we always wonder how do, why does this happen? How do we have this whole area that just is needing investment, right? And so this is a catalytic project, meaning once this project is done, the first man out of the gate always takes the biggest risk and the mm-hmm. hardest hit. Yeah. Yeah. And the return is not immediately felt. And so it's hard for people to get into a, a, a project like that. So, so this... I was just going to ask, well, I was just going to ask, so what happens in between there? Okay, so the Four Corners area, and then you're going to have this big development there. What do you do in the area of university between there and the interstate? I know there are some new roads and some new lanes that have been built in that area, but when we talk about these gateway projects, what else is going to be done there? I mean, is is this enough? Because Four Corners is a good ways away from I-10. Yes, so it's not the only thing. Let me Let me say that. So right now we have the MPO, uh, we've got about $4 million set aside for Four Corners and that project is moving at DOTD. Now in the beginning part of a project, you're never gonna see anything. It has to be um, designed, it has to be engineered, you know, it goes through a lot of process. We are in that process right now to rebuild Four Corners and it is funded. So those also transportation projects that are actually funded move a little bit faster, but it will happen um, with, I, I can't give you an exact time frame, but I would yeah. say two to three years probably, okay. where, so Four Corners will become a very pedestrian-friendly intersection. And we have intersection upgrades planned all the way to the interstate and actually including the roundabout that's being built on the other uh, other side of the interstate. Willow will be a, a, a major uh, roundabout. Um, this corridor, not only does it have a lot of poverty, but it also has some of the most significant safety issues mm-hmm. from a roadway perspective. Well, could you have a roundabout there? I mean, I mean, I know the, the name is Four Corners, and a roundabout would round that off, but I mean, could could that be something that's an option? Well, so we studied that, and that's what we did in the transportation study that we did um, a couple of years ago, was really uh, go into the traffic analysis to see what could and couldn't be at this corner. Um, particularly with the housing that's being built, you don't, it, well, a roundabout didn't, didn't work. I'll tell you that. But you also want a, uh, the crosswalks that will be there. Um, across the street, we have the old shopper's value, which, you know, hoping that a new grocery store comes there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel positive about that. I'll say that. Um, so to create more of a neighborhood environment, that intersection is designed to or will be designed to to be i guess a roundabout is not totally pedestrian friendly because the the car movements never stop mm-hmm. so there will have crosswalks and stuff but but i will say this also we have um under our new uh, mayor president applied for a build grant to complete the construction to the interstate well we may um, have to ask that tomorrow during lafayette live kind of what the status is yeah He's very excited about this. Um, and we, the application process was in the middle of COVID, so they don't have as many applicants as normal. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I mean, the universe I'll, provides us with opportunities. You just have to be ready to jump on it and take it, you know, money. Right. And we had that. So these, these applications are very complex. We had yeah. it. Uh, we applied for it last year under uh, Mayor Robito. 
And so it was easy to flip it around, but it is a, a very, uh, it'll be scored very high because of the safety issues on the corridor. You know, the, the walk, the walking paths on the side, you can see from space because we have so many pedestrians. Um, I think about 40% of the residents in this area don't own vehicles. So really creating uh, a corridor where people can, can walk and be safe. You know, there's a lot of issues here. So, I, you know, I would, I would garner to say, well, if we get that bill grant, the bill grant is a $25 million investment that we could put into here. And we've, we've, between the city and the MPO, we have somewhere between four and six million, I think, for four corners itself. Um, so, and there are other projects going on. You know, there's another housing development going on right now as well um, with Madeline Cove. And in our transportation study, we also did a full economic analysis and, and came up with several catalyst sites, actually three different catalyst sites like Four Corners. So there's a lot of focus and attention and we've gotten, um, there's a lot, you know, again, development projects don't happen overnight, but there's a lot of positive movement here and, and we're excited about this. We actually got a call from the White House wanting an update on this project. They're watching uh, this corridor because it's an opportunity zone. It's a, it's a poster child opportunity zone. If we can really bring life back here, it's a success story for them. And um, we've had Scott Turner from the White House um, tour this project in particular, but actually the whole corridor. We went throughout and visited with many of the business owners and some of the residents along the corridor with them. So they kind of keep an eye on it, you know, as they develop their talking points. Um, we think it should be at the top of their talking points, but you know, they, um, they called about two weeks ago just for an update. Just to and find so, out. yeah, you oh, know, good. if we really invest in these areas and bring real positive energy, it's, you know, that's, I think that's the point of Opportunity Zone. Well, so. and I think too, when you mentioned, you know, that the, the folks in that area, you're talking about 40% without transportation, then that all of a sudden gives a second deal. It's not like it's just something that's, being built there because it's going to make the area look nicer. It seems like the efforts will, but if you do have those safety issues as well, that's understandable. Monique Boulay from Acadiana Planning Commission. Hey, thanks so much for your time. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. It's 824 now at News Talk 96.5 KPL. Uh, we ran through some legal stories a little bit earlier with Loretta Powers. She's one of our favorites and on the mm -hmm. show often. Uh, we're going to run down what some of them mean and some of these very interesting rulings that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Stay with us right here on Acadiana's Morning News. Celebrating 20 years of enlightening Acadiana. Moon Griffon, next on News Talk 96.5. K. Hi, today, 93 degrees. Your full weather forecast is coming up at the bottom of the hour news. But to catch you up on some things making headlines around the country this morning, Senate Republicans will unveil their police reform package a little bit later on this morning. South Carolina's Tim Scott, the only black GOP member in the Senate, is leading the party's effort to bring changes to local policing following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. He'll be joined at a morning press conference by Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and other Republican leaders. Quote, without police, there is chaos. Those are the words from President Trump as he signed an executive order on police reform amid nationwide protests. It sets high standards for using force, including a ban on chokeholds, except for when an officer's life is at risk. It will also create a national database for excessive force complaints. Trump said he's strongly against dismantling or dissolving departments, saying there's only a tiny number of bad cops.
There's new hope for some of the sickest coronavirus patients fighting to survive. A commonly used and widely available steroid is proving to be the first life-saving drug. Dexamethasone cut the risk of death by a third for those on ventilators and a fifth for those on oxygen. The UK government has about 200,000 courses of the drug in its stockpile and plans to make it available to patients. You can read more on this story at kpel965.com. At least 24 states are dealing with a spike in coronavirus cases, but the White House says the outlook is still good. Officials believe the disease can be kept under control and that the nation is prepared for a second wave should it come. President Trump predicts a vaccine and cure will happen by the end of the year. In fact, he says the economic recovery will put the U.S. in a, quote, stronger position than before the pandemic. A statue in Albuquerque is being taken down hours after a protester was shot. He was among a group trying to topple the statue of a Spanish conquistador. The victim is said to be in stable condition. The suspected gunman behind bars, Mayor Tim Keller, calls removing the statue a, quote, urgent matter of public safety. The nation's largest utility company just confessed to killing 84 people and starting California's worst wildfire in its history. The entire town of Paradise was nearly wiped out in 2018. It's what drove PG&E into bankruptcy last year. The CEO told a court yesterday his company accepts responsibility and apologized to families of the victims. Sentencing set up for later this week, PG&E could pay up to $4 million in penalties. A pair of Oklahoma attorneys are pushing to have safety measures in place for President Trump's rally in Tulsa this weekend. The lawyers filed a lawsuit to pressure BOK Center's operator to enforce social distancing and face masks at the event. Trump has held off on holding campaign rallies because of the respiratory illness. Saturday will be his first since March. And finally, the International Space Station getting a new toilet. NASA's new Universal Waste Management System is a big upgrade in both fit and function to the 1990s model that's currently in use. The design is better suited to mixed-gender crews, has tow bars so astronauts can anchor themselves to the toilet in microgravity, and it safely processes the waste into the spacecraft's recycling system. NASA plans to deliver the new toilet to the space station in the fall. It will remain on the ISS through the end of the space station's lifetime. Leveraging the power of Fox News Radio to cover the big issues that matter to you. News Talk 96.5. KPL. Depend on it. It's the bottom of the hour. Now the top stories from KPL965.com. Hi, today, 93 degrees. Your full weather forecast is coming up after bottom of the hour news. But to catch you up on some things making headlines around the country this morning, Senate Republicans will unveil their police reform package a little bit later on this morning. South Carolina's Tim Scott, the only black GOP member in the Senate, is leading the party's effort to bring changes to local policing following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. He'll be joined at a morning press conference by Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and other Republican leaders. Quote, without police, there is chaos. Those are the words from President Trump as he signed an executive order on police reform amid nationwide protests. It sets high standards for using force, including a ban on chokeholds, except for when an officer's life is at risk. It will also create a national database for excessive force complaints. Trump said he's strongly against dismantling or dissolving departments, saying there's only a tiny number of bad cops. There's new hope for some of the sickest coronavirus patients fighting to survive. A commonly used and widely available steroid is proving to be the first life-saving drug. Dexamethasone cut the risk of death by a third for those on ventilators and a fifth for those on oxygen. 
The UK government has about 200,000 courses of the drug in its stockpile and plans to make it available to patients. You can read more on this story at kpel965.com. At least 24 states are dealing with a spike in coronavirus cases, but the White House says the outlook is still good. Officials believe the disease can be kept under control and that the nation is prepared for a second wave should it come. President Trump predicts a vaccine and cure will happen by the end of the year. In fact, he says the economic recovery will put the U.S. in a, quote, stronger position than before the pandemic. A statue in Albuquerque is being taken down hours after a protester was shot. He was among a group trying to topple the statue of the Spanish conquistador. The victim is said to be in stable condition. The suspected gunman behind bars, Mayor Tim Keller, calls removing the statue a, quote, urgent matter of public safety. The nation's largest utility company just confessed to killing 84 people and starting California's worst wildfire in its history. The entire town of Paradise was nearly wiped out in 2018. It's what drove PG&E into bankruptcy last year. The CEO told a court yesterday his company accepts responsibility and apologized to families of the victims. Sentencing set up for later this week, PG&E could pay up to $4 million in penalties. A pair of Oklahoma attorneys are pushing to have safety measures in place for President Trump's rally in Tulsa this weekend. The lawyers filed a lawsuit to pressure BOK Center's operator to enforce social distancing and face masks at the event. Trump has held off on holding campaign rallies because of the respiratory illness. Saturday will be his first since March. And finally, the International Space Station getting a new toilet. NASA's new Universal Waste Management System is a big upgrade in both fit and function to the 1990s model that's currently in use. The design is better suited to mixed-gender crews, has tow bars so astronauts can anchor themselves to the toilet in microgravity, and it safely processes the waste into the spacecraft's recycling system. NASA plans to deliver the new toilet to the space station in the fall. It will remain on the ISS through the end of the space station's lifetime. across Acadiana today. Temperatures are going to be pushing their way into the lower 90s. We'll probably hit up somewhere around 93 degrees, which puts us in very similar territory to the last couple of days. Winds from the north today at 5 to 10 miles an hour, keeping any kind of shower activity pretty confined to the coastline. I think we'll go about 10% on your rain chances here through the afternoon. Lows tonight get down to around 69 with mostly clear skies and getting ready to do it all over again tomorrow. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96 so legal issues across the country we always have to check in with loretta powers to take a look at some of the stories making headlines um good morning to you loretta first of all how are you doing i mean are we are you working from home are you going somewhere are you doing zoom calls what's your situation Court starts in about a week. We're still doing Zoom hearings. Um, I'm working from home personally, but uh, some people decide to go to the office, mm-hmm. and that's all right. How are those Zoom hearings? Because you know, a lot of times you get you got to get all dressed up. You gotta you gotta oh, do yeah. your hair. You gotta go to the courthouse. You gotta park. You gotta feed the meter. I mean, all these things. But guess what? You could do it from the comfort of your home. I'm telling you, Loretta, if I was in a Zoom hearing, I would not be wearing the matching pants to my suit. <laughs> I'd probably be wearing some shorts and a jacket, you know? Yeah, the judge actually commented on how I was like one of the only 
dressed person that they saw. I mean, opposing counsel was actually in a sweatshirt. So the judge actually ruled very favorable in my position, I think, because of that. The judge was in a robe. All right, we got to keep Loretta on speed dial if we ever need some representation. We know she's going to at least fake her sweatshirt off, you know? All right, so um, big ruling this week. Um, it, well, I guess it actually happened last week, but you know, still hearing about the reverberations through this, and it is um, the the decision that employers cannot fire individuals for being members of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, what does this mean, and is there still fallout? I know a bunch of people weren't happy with this one. Yeah, well, it was actually Trump's Supreme Court nomination, Neil Gorsuch, who actually issued this opinion. I think it's a really good deal because lower courts have ruled that it's implied in the original statute that LGBTQ plus is already included in the Civil Rights Act on the basis of sex. After all, uh, if a woman is dating a woman and she's fired, however, she's dating a man and not fired, that is discrimination on the basis of sex. So I think the only fallout is, hey, look, it's kind of Congress's job to write this into the statute. The Supreme Court kind of hijacked it, but I think it just depends on how you read the existing statute. That Because what they did was basically just affirm what a lot of people said was already standing. It wasn't necessarily like this brand new thing that they decided. Exactly. Another um, Supreme Court issue, they will not re-examine doctrine that shields police. Obviously, the protests that are happening nationwide, we know a police bill will be unveiled a little bit later on this morning. Why is this one so important? have sovereign immunity, meaning if they are acting within the scope of their employment, they cannot be sued. But what happens if they go outside of that scope? What happens if they use excessive force? Well, right now, there's a doctrine of qualified immunity. Now, the Supreme Court back in the 80s kind of created this out of thin air. They definitely hijacked Congress's job on this one. And they said, well, if excessive force is used, we're also going to decide, hey, was it real? Reasonable. And if that's the case, then they cannot be sued. Of course, you have uh, people with the movements of Black Lives Matter. They think that excessive force should never be used. So they were really hoping that the Supreme Court would take up this issue. All right. I don't want to take up too, of you, too much of your time because you have to get dressed for a hearing, I'm right. sure. Um, <laughs> but Facebook has fired an employee who protested an action on a Trump post. You know, we're talking about, we often talk about social media as this you know, large umbrella and all these different sites. But, you know, you look at two of the biggest players, Twitter and Facebook, doing very different things when it comes to content by the Trump campaign, the president himself, and some employees are not happy about it. Yeah, Facebook news. You know, it's my favorite soap opera about computer <laughs> nerds. So in today's episode, it, it all goes down to Trump's tweet. You know, whenever the looting starts, the shooting starts. He wanted that taken down because he thought it incited violence. Zuckerberg was like, uh, we kind of want that up there because it's a warning of how state actors are going to act if somebody loots. So we kind of want that as a warning. At the end of the day, it's it's free speech, and Facebook is kind of cutting down on that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Hey, Loretta Powers, it's always great talking to you. Thanks so much.
Thank you. The Rush Morning Update is brought to you by Luxury Limo of Lafayette. Book your next traveling party at LuxuryLimoOfLafayette.net. On Monday, the Supreme Court sided with California in declining to hear an appeal by the Trump administration on a statewide sanctuary law. Now, the upshot is that at least for now, California can continue its policy of state and local law enforcement refusing to cooperate with federal immigration agencies. The Los Angeles Times editorial board was giddy over this decision. Within hours, they celebrated with an editorial accusing Trump of waging a mean-spirited, costly, and unnecessary war against illegal immigrants. Now, let me caution those of you who, like the LA Times, think this battle is over and who believe the left has won the sanctuary city law fight once and for all. Over the past few weeks, Americans all across the great country have seen lawlessness on display. We have seen a police precinct overrun by thugs and hooligans in Seattle. We've seen it set on fire. We've seen looting, arson, vandalism, violent attacks on business owners go unchecked as elected blue city Democrat leaders choose to sit on their asses and refuse to restore order or defend lives and property. I'm going to guarantee you something. Millions of law-abiding Americans are appalled. And this Supreme Court ruling just adds to their disgust. So don't doubt me. They're waiting until November to demonstrate the amazing political power of disgusted voter pushback against leftist human debris. It'll happen. During this time of massive change, you should know that Zip Recruiter's focus has not changed. They're still doing what they've always done, helping people find work and helping businesses find the right people for their open roles. Now, if you're looking for a job, Zip Recruiter is working with you to find the right job faster. They're dedicated to helping you get hired from caretaking to delivering food and goods, to building medical facilities, supplying protective equipment, so many other opportunities as well. In fact, ZipRecruiter's app will send you up-to-date job openings so you can be one of the first to apply. And if you're actively hiring, ZipRecruiter will invite candidates to apply to your most urgent roles, making it faster and easier to reach the people you need. By connecting people who need jobs and companies that need people, ZipRecruiter is working with all of us so we can keep moving forward. See it come together, ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash work. The back and forth that has gone on for years and years between North and South Korea came to another kind of violent end. There was a new building that had recently been built, um, was blown up by the North. Um, two years ago, um, this office was built to improve relations in Simon Owen, Looks like we're sort of going in the opposite direction. He joins us this morning from London. Good morning to you. Good morning. So tell me about, was there some sort of provocation yeah. we don't know about? Or, or is like, it just... Are they just crazy? Yeah, the it, situation we're in. What happened? Mm. The North Koreans are saying that uh, this is part of a, an ongoing dispute. For the past few weeks, they've been complaining vocally about defectors, people who leave North Korea, move to South Korea, and then some of them become activists. And one of the tactics that these activists use is they get giant balloons and they fill them with propaganda, with leaflets criticizing North Korea's leadership, with U.S. 
bee sticks containing international movies, an effort to basically show North Koreans who live in this highly controlled, very secretive country where they have very limited uh, exposure to the outside world, these balloons carry material that gives them a hint about what the rest of the world might be like, and they can really be very eye-opening. And North Korea has in recent weeks been calling these defective activists who do this human scum. It's been furious with South Korea for letting them do this. But the curious thing with this is, is that this has been going on for years. This is not a new tactic by these activists. And so that is leading to some speculation among analysts who watch North Korea from the outside that, you know, it, the, the, the way they've been responding, and as you mentioned, blowing this building up as, as one of the responses, that is not necessarily, I mean, they say it's just about these defectors, but the suspicion is that there's more to it, that North Korea's economy is facing new crises, new devastation with international sanctions about its nuclear weapons still in full effect, and maybe even a serious coronavirus outbreak at the same time. And so some experts reckon that this is a distraction, an, an effort to distract people in North Korea from their own government's failings. You know, it's it seems like North Korea, the one thing that I think they're good at on the international stage is symbolism. You know, and, and that's even though they're they haven't fired weapons into South Korea, they use the nearby, you know, bodies of water to you know, threaten folks from the South, threaten the United States even. But this terrain in between the North and South it's not like there's an interstate between the two. I mean, it's very mountainous in that area. Of course, there's the DMZ, which we have seen. But, you know, some folks have compared it to the desert area between Mexico and, and Texas or Mexico and our southern border where, you know, if you make it across that, that's already a, an accomplishment just because of the terrain. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a broad um, strip of land, the demilitarized zone, um, and actually it is one of the most heavily armed areas in the world. And depending on where you are, it can be a couple of miles wide or it can be much thinner uh, than that. But it is this, this, this mark which was laid out at the end of the Korean, uh, when, the, when the Koreas were split, this was where the line was, was going to be. And so there is this heavily fortified border. And this particular building that's, that's in the news now was actually in North Korea. It's on the North Korean side of the border. And it was part of that flurry of diplomacy a couple of years ago when Kim Jong-un of North Korea was traveling and meeting with President yep. Trump yep. and meeting with the South Korean president. And one of the results of that was that they agreed to set up this, they called it a joint liaison office, kind of like a joint embassy, just, just in North Korea, and North Korean officials moved in, South Korean officials moved in, and they worked for a while side by side. It was kind of symbolic, but it was a notable symbol of cooperation. Uh, that is the building that North Korea has now destroyed. And I think it's worth saying that this isn't some kind of tiny office or makeshift structure. This was a four-story, glass-fronted, gleaming building renovated two years ago uh, at the expense of South Korean taxpayers. And now we have North Korean state TV today airing video from multiple angles of the moment it was destroyed wow. with Explosives. All right, Simon Owen from London, we appreciate your time today and uh, appreciate your reporting as always. Thanks a lot. All right, 642 now at News Talk 96.5 so KPL. And you know what? That's, that is a clarification because when I first heard it, you know, I yeah. was thinking about those little 
they're not huts, but I mean like little maybe 500 square foot little buildings that mm. they have at the DMZ. Yeah. I thought it was one of those. I didn't realize it was a whole building. And, right. You know, it, it will, of course, lead people to ask, hey, um, does all the effort, you know, from the rest it's of the world. It's called the last mile. Was, and this um, weak link. I'm sorry I accidentally okay. hit that button. Um, all the efforts from governments from around the world, whether it's Japan, whether it's the United States, mm-hmm. South Korea. I mean, has all that stuff. I mean, was it all just kind of failed for nothing, you know? Anyway. Do they do it for attention in a way? Because as Simon was saying, you know how bad things News are. News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm Elizabeth McDonald, and this is the Fox Business Report. Target will permanently raise its starting wage to $15 an hour. All hourly full-time and part-time team members will be eligible. It had been paying a $2 per hour temporary wage increase on top of its $13 starting wage. Target planned to raise its starting pay to $15 an hour by the end of the year. It'll also pay a $200 recognition bonus to frontline team members. More new homes were going up last month. Not as many as expected, though. Groundbreakings rose 4.3% in March per Permits for new housing construction rose 14.4%. Southwest Airlines says its business is still down significantly from a year ago. But Southwest says June is shaping up to be not as bleak as its previous predictions. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Cosola. Invested in you. You're more focused than ever on keeping your employees and customers safe. CentOS has the products and services you need to feel prepared. Our CentOS technicians can apply our disinfectant and sanitizer spray throughout your facility. Our ultra-clean service for restrooms uses a sanitizer effective against certain germs, bacteria, and viruses. And we'll help you stay well-stocked with hand sanitizer, face masks, and essential PPE. Visit CentOS.com and get ready for the Get the free KPL News app in the App Store and Google Play. News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Brobridge, Lafayette. Your 24-7 news source on air, online, and with the KPL News app. Now the headlines from the KPL News Center. Now 70 degrees here at KPL. I'm Bernadette Lee with a news update. Another Confederate monument gets pulled down by protesters. This one in the Confederacy's former capital city. A monument to the Richmond Howitzers, an artillery group that served the Army of Northern Virginia in the 19th century, is now off its pedestal after being pulled down by demonstrators Tuesday night in Richmond. The statue stood in a park owned by Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. A photograph shows the now toppled monument splattered with paint. The Howitzers Monument is the fourth such historical marker in Virginia to be destroyed by protesters. Evan Brown, Fox News. Target is going to raise pay for employees sooner than they planned. Target will permanently raise its starting wage to $15 an hour. All hourly full-time and part-time team members will be eligible. It had been paying a $2 per hour temporary wage increase on top of its $13 starting wage. Target planned to raise its starting pay to $15 an hour by the end of the year. It will also pay a $200 recognition bonus to frontline team members. Target will also offer 
offer free access to virtual doctor visits for all team members through the end of the year, whether or not they subscribe to a Target health care plan. Ginny Cosola, Fox News. Another round of warnings and restrictions in China's capital as a new corona outbreak there is growing. China closing Beijing schools, blocking off some neighborhoods and cancelling flights to limit travel in and out of the city as authorities race to contain a new coronavirus outbreak. China reporting 137 new infections in Beijing over the past six days, with the outbreak centred on a food market. Officials acknowledging a grave risk of a second wave of infections, but saying they're hopeful the outbreak can be contained. Simon Owen, Fox News. In local headlines, a 17-year-old from Brobridge drowned while swimming with a group of friends near the Bayou Ami boat landing in Henderson. This was around noontime yesterday. St. Martin Sheriff's authorities have identified the teen as Devon Baptiste. Witnesses say he showed signs of distress and then failed to come up out of the water. His body was found shortly after deputies arrived on the scene. A 26-year-old man, Shaquille Daniels, has been named as a person of interest in a May 9th shooting in New Iberia. One person died. Two juveniles were injured in that shooting on Silver Street. They're asking anyone who might know the location of Shaquille Daniels to call Iberia Crime Stoppers at 364-TIPS. Acadia deputies have their fugitive in custody, 31-year-old Stephen Dietz of Evangeline, following several months of teaming up with several law enforcement officers to catch him. Dietz has been accused of stealing oil and gas equipment. Now, Sheriff K.P. Gibson in Acadia Parish says Dietz, who currently sits in the jail, his bond has been set at $585,000. He's also a suspect in several other thefts in the Evangeline community. A one-time confirmed and admitted incoming LSU freshman who filmed himself screaming the N-word on camera. His name is Drew Dollar. He's from West Monroe. Well, apparently the flagship university is uh, the state's flagship university says that they have refused uh, his actual ability to come to the school now. LSU refusing to comment further, though, on the subject, citing privacy concerns in relation to this case. Mostly sunny skies across Acadiana today with your highs getting up to around 93 degrees in the afternoon. Winds are from the north at about 5 to 10 miles an hour with a 10% chance for a quick passing shower. Overnight lows drop down to around 69 degrees here. And as we go through the rest of the work week, a pretty similar looking forecast. Not going to see too many changes all the way through into the weekend with scattered showers returning to the forecast by Sunday afternoon. From the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab, I'm KTC Meteorologist Daniel Phillips on News Talk 96.5 KPL. And right now, we're at 77 degrees here at KPL. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Right now, traffic. Double-checking what's happening here. Okay, so in Broussard, in the 100 block of Burgess Drive, there is a report of a vehicle on fire. That's the 100 block of Burgess Drive in Broussard. A report of a vehicle on fire. Make sure you're buckling up, keeping it safe out there today.